Hello, and welcome to the new Mission Career Transition Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Caprellian, and I'm joined by my co-host, sister, and talent management professional, Alexandra Caprellian. We interview service members that have transitioned from the military, civilian HR professionals, and DOD officials so that we can provide you with helpful lessons learned and help you transition to new careers with confidence. Are you thinking about pursuing education after separating or retiring from the military? Imagine being able to use your VA benefits to fund your post-military training or education while reserving your post-9-11 GI Bill benefits for later. If that sounds interesting to you, well, stay tuned. Our guest for our very first episode is Jennifer Gomez. She'll talk about some of the challenges she encountered through her transition, and she'll also tell us how she's using her Chapter 31 VA benefits to help her fund her bachelor's degree while she can save her Chapter 33 or post-9-11 GI Bill benefits for a master's degree in the future. Jennifer Gomez, thank you very much for coming on to the podcast. Thank you for having me. To start off and kind of orient our listeners, if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, where you grew up, family life, and the, and the sort. Yeah, my name's um, Jennifer Gomez. I'm 23 years old. I'm a Marine Corps veteran. I served four years. Um, I grew up in the Central Valley of California, um, Madera, California, with my four brothers and little sister. Um, so it was a big family. Um, but yeah, I got recruited out of uh, San Rafael, California, I ended up moving um, and enlisting at 17. So I uh, went out to Iwakuni, Japan and was out there for most of my time in the Marine Corps. So, Did you always know you wanted to join the military? Like, How did that recruitment thing work out? No, I actually did not. It was a very spontaneous decision on my part, which, you know, retrospectively was kind of crazy. Um, But it was an overnight decision, really. Uh, I went to a career fair. I talked to a recruiter. He ended up calling me, uh, worked his black magic, and I ended up signing papers. Um, I was 17. My mom was out of town. So really, I, I signed everything that I could sign. And when she got back, I was like, Hey mom, just need you to kind of like presented it to her as a field trip permission slip. And she was like, what is this? And I was like, you know, just signing my life away to the government. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, it was a very, very overnight, overnight, uh, decision. And then the next month I was at MEPS and a poolie. So. Well, that's awesome. Sounds like you might've chosen the adventure benefit tag like the marine recruiters I, use yes i definitely did my original plan was to go to africa uh, after graduating i i never had any plans of college really in high school uh, i never did any acts or sats or anything of the sort so i was gonna go to africa do some mission work over there so the recruiter kind of grabbed onto that and was like oh the marine corps can you know, offer you all these different locations and he threw out MSG and, and all these cool programs. And I was like, okay, you're right. That's, that's what I want to do. And yeah, I, you know, decided 
I didn't even go look at any of the other branches or talk to any other branch because it was kind of just like, well, if I'm going to join the military, I'm going to join the military. Not to discredit any of the other branches, but, you know, Marine Corps just kind of is set apart from the others. So, so um, in high school, I was in tennis. Um, I played a little bit of soccer, um, but mostly I uh, was in the band. I was in the band since I believe the fifth grade, as early as the fifth grade. I, I started playing the trombone, uh, moved on to the tuba, kind of played a bit of other brass instruments, but ultimately landed on playing the tuba. Um, and that's actually also uh, one of the reasons the recruiter contacted me was because I had checked off that music um, interest on the contact sheet. So he tried getting me as a band contract. So the tuba was really my biggest uh, hobby and, uh, and I really enjoyed it. I, I really almost was um, a, a band contract, but I, at the end of the day, decided I didn't want to play the tuba for the rest of my life. So uh, I did not end up signing that contract. Instead, I signed a radio operator contract or actually rather an open communications contract and ended up as a radio operator. Well, that's great. So th so I guess that that was your occupational specialty in the military. Yes, I was a 0621 field radio operator. Your um, what was your last duty station? I think you had you had really one duty station for your enlistment. Is that accurate? Yes. Yeah. I um, I originally had two year orders to Iwakuni, Japan, but I just loved it so much. I ended up submitting an extension package. It got approved, so I was out there for about three years, a little bit more than three years, three years and two months, I believe. Okay. Well, did you have any anything that you th saw was a challenge while you were at that duty station? As far as the Marine Corps goes, there of course there's many challenges that present uh themselves. I <clears throat> struggled a lot with kind of finding my my voice in leadership especially as uh, female being in an all male shop and almost platoon. I, I think there was only three other females in my platoon of about a hundred and something Marines. So it was kind of difficult in that sense. Um, and other challenges, of course, being away from family. I was eight, 18 when I got stationed in Japan and, um, I, didn't move back until I was 21. So really like learning how to be away from my family and kind of navigating young adulthood by myself was difficult for sure. While you were there, I mean, what made you, did you always know you only wanted to do one enlistment or, I mean, what were the, some of the deciding factors for your, uh, your eventual transition? Right. Yeah. No, I actually, I was very motivated uh, when I first enlisted. I think for like the first three and three and a half years of my contract, probably I thought I was going to be a 
first sergeant, first sergeant Gomez. Um, I had my whole I love me binder with the first sergeant rank on it and everything. Um, but I, at the end of the day, I think um, I even was filling out an, a reenlistment package and everything. I had it all filled out, signed by all the people that it needed to be signed by. And I just ended up not turning it in um, just because I, f- I just felt like I could achieve much more than what the Marine Corps could present me with. Um, and I ultimately decided that I was just going to use the Marine Corps as a stepping stone rather than making it my full-time career. And it was a difficult decision. It, it wasn't easy. I was very anxious about about it. And even when I got out, I was like, oh my God, I don't know if I did the right thing. I, I feel like I um, should have stayed in because I, I know I would have been a, I know I would have been a great Marine if I would have, or I was a great Marine. I would have continued to have been a great Marine, but it was just more of what direction I wanted to take my life in. Um, and also a family factor where my niece, my first niece was going to be born and I didn't want to be away from family. And it was a lot of, of, of decision. There was a lot of pros and cons lists made, um, the last three to six months of my enlistment for sure. Well, I see that as a positive thing too. I mean, like many times in life, we look at something and it's usually a choice of bad options, but it sounds like in your case, it was a choice of several good options and uh, just a kind of a difficult choice nonetheless. Yes, 100%. It was kind of choosing between good and good. Although I am definitely, definitely happy I never have to run another PFT or CFT (laughs) again. So (laughs) that is probably the biggest pro. I think that was like always the number one pro in getting out of the Marine Corps was no more tests. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking about the next three mile run I've got to do. And Oh, yep. I actually signed up for a 5k in March and I'm like, you know what? I can do this. It's fine. It's, it's just a PF. It's just a three mile without the push up of pushups and, or I guess the planks now. See, and I don't, I never even had to do that. So I'm, I'm blessed. Oh yeah. That, that plank thing, (laughs) plank thing, that is not a fun thing. I did that for the first time last year and it was a spur of the moment. And I thought, I I do ab work every now and then. And oh my, oh man, no, it was, it was brutal. I started catching a cramp like halfway through my run. So yeah, well, like anything else, I guess I I should have prepared more, but yeah, I totally know what you guys are talking about for sure. I do all the running and all the planking. <laughs> well, now Definitely. I'm on, now I'm on your level. So. <laughs> welcome. You're welcome. And right? Now we can relate. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's good. Well, so when you had deci- you had made this decision. So after you kind of made the mental decision to separate, like kind of did you start to formulate a game plan in mind? What were some of the things that you did? Well, so getting out was kind of always in the back of my mind, you know, um, around the two year mark, I was kind of evaluating where my, what, what, what direction my life was going to go in. So I, I kind of always had that plan B 
obviously of getting out, but it it was always a plan B up until I decided to make it plan A. Um, so I had always kind of loosely planned around it. So, um, I did attend uh, TRS, the Transition Readiness Seminar, a year prior to getting out. Um, and I was thinking about, you know, going to school afterwards and kind of just, I knew I had the GI Bill. And so I was more or less just banking on uh, using my educational track, um, if if anything, if I did decide to get out. And ultimately, I you know, that is what I'm doing. I'm going to school full time and, and using up my educational benefits. Okay. So kind of knowing that you were doing the education track, when, what, now I know you were overseas when you were in the process of separating, maybe you could give us a little bit of a timeline. When, when did you separate and what were, what were some of the moves that took place? Yeah. So separating from overseas, I feel, or now I hear is, is different than uh, separating from the States, but from overseas, um, they allow you to do TRS, um, a, a year, if not, I think it might be a little bit more than a year out, um, from your EAS date. So, um, when I heard that, I was like, okay, well, I might be getting out. Let me just do it to get it out of the way. Um, in case I end up going on field ops or anything. So I, I, I'm not worrying about something else that I need to do. So I ended up doing it a year out. Um, and that was in 2000, I believe it was 2020, right before all the COVID stuff happened. Um, and I got out of the Marine Corps April of 2021 is when my terminal leave started. Um, so I went to TRS a year out. I submitted my, or I started filling out a reenlistment package um, about three to four months after I went to TRS. I had it all completed. And then I decided to not turn in that reenlistment package and uh, decided on getting out about three months prior to. So I, I think around December, November, December is when I was like, yeah, I'm definitely getting out. Um, it was a scary, scary decision, scary thought. I kind of just always had that reenlistment package uh, staring at me in my room. Um, like, why aren't you turning me in? But uh, I, I ended up not. And so, yeah, it was. Uh, felt like a long process and I and I was TAD um from I believe I was TAD from December to the beginning of December to I believe the beginning of February so I was in San Diego for those months so it was kind of like I wasn't even really doing Marine Corps related things so I had a lot of time to process my decision and and kind of figure out what my real game plan was and kind of a lot of coordination with my family and um I ended up uh this my brother ended up inviting me to live with him um like I mentioned his his wife was pregnant um at the time and they were gonna have a little girl and so he invited me to live with him to be their live-in nanny and so yeah, that it seemed like everything was going to play out fine. And so I was I was scared that I was getting out of the Marine Corps and I was making a life change, but I wasn't too scared because I knew that everything was going to pan out. You you made your move over there there being 
make sure I've got this accurately. Did you move, you moved up to Sacramento? So I moved, um, after getting out, I moved to, um, Arbuckle. It's this super tiny town, an hour north of Sacramento. Um, and that is where my sister-in-law, she grew up there. So my brother and her ended up buying a home there prior to the baby being born. And so I moved in with them in Arbuckle, um, in, I believe May, in May of 2021. And my niece was born February. So she was about three months old when I moved in with them. Okay. So it was kind of perfect timing as far as like, I got out of the Marine Corps April. I kind of did a little bit of uh, visiting family all up and down California, you know, the normal. I went to Vegas. I kind of just celebrated my DD-214. And then um, I... I moved in with them full time and started taking care of her once my sister-in-law went back to work. Okay. So what, so you were there, I mean, I'm, I'm looking for me, I, I aspire to grow a beard. <laughs> yeah. That's going to yeah. be my DD 214 <laughs> celebration. Celebration. <laughs> yeah. Not having to shave every day. Um, right. Talk to us about like some of the things that you learned along the way of trying to pursue the education track. And so from the time that you, you got over to the Sacramento area, you know, what mm-hmm. happened between then to the time that you found yourself attending your first class? Yeah. So it was a long waiting period, which was terrible uh, for me personally. It, so you have to apply to college like a year and some change in advance to the semester you want to attend. So for example, um, the, the application period for fall. 2024 is open right now so it's so for me I didn't I didn't know that and so I didn't apply to Sac State until the year that I was getting out of the Marine Corps so whenever I um, moved to Arbuckle and, and moved in with my family um, I had still a year and some change until school started which was um, very frustrating for me. Actually, was it a year? Sorry, I might be getting my... And maybe it felt like a year. I think it was rather like six months, but it did feel like much longer than that. Uh, my first semester... Oh, no, it was a year because I started school fall 2022 was my first my first semester at Sac State, um, just barely last semester. So yeah, um, it was a long waiting period. And... It was in that time, all I was doing was just taking care of my niece, which I love my niece. Um, and I, and I love taking care of her, but as far as interaction with other people, I was only interacting with a three month old, four month old, five month old, um, and my 30 year old sister-in-law and brother. Um, so I felt very lonely during that time when I wasn't interacting with anybody um, as far as like my peer group goes. And, you know, all of my military friends were either figuring out their own civilian transition or figuring out their new duty stations and, and kind of all went our different separate paths. So it was, um, it was a rough, rough period of, of, loneliness and a whole lot of nothingness when 
I had gone from like doing everything or rather like I had gone from knowing I had to be somewhere at 7.30 in the morning and like what my day was going to consist of to then kind of just like not even knowing what day it was because I didn't have any reason to know what day it was. So that was something I struggled with. Um, And it wasn't really, I didn't really get any uh, better at that. I didn't really alleviate that feeling rather until I started going to school, which was um, September of last year. Oh, wow. Yeah, that that's a pretty significant time gap. Right. Yeah. So it was kind of like, oh my God, what am I doing? Like, and you know, I, I had jobs in between. Like I I worked at Target customer service, but it was kind of like, oh uh, what am I doing working in Target customer service? <laughs> it was terrible. Um, and then I uh was a waitress at a Mexican seafood restaurant, but then I had to quit that because they would play music on two different speakers and neon lights everywhere and it was literally migraine inducing um so i had to quit there and so yeah i kind of was just waiting and doing these odd jobs until school started and finally it did and 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 i'm so grateful for it um and now i'm in my second semester um at sac state so it's it's going good that's, that's awesome. I, I was wondering if you were going to give my sister flashbacks from all the time that she spent in the restaurant industry. <laughs> oh, don't, don't even bring me there. <laughs> we don't yeah, have enough right? time on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it was terrible. Well, it sounds like you, I mean, you're finally there. You're on your second semester. What are you majoring in? And then what are you doing other than grinding it out, trying to, trying to pass the next test? Yeah, uh, so I started majoring in, or I applied to Sac State uh, with a major in child and adolescent development. Uh, But after my first semester, and I had to do a service learning project and field work hours, I learned that not all children are as as much angels as my nieces they're they're not all lila right and and that was a rude awakening for me um turns out i do not want to work with children so i switched my major to um communications Uh, so now i'm majoring in communications with a focus on interpersonal communication um, and a minor in counseling with hopes to get a Masters in rehabilitation counseling with a vocational focus um, in order to become a vocational rehabilitation counselor. Um, yeah. Wow. It so, sounds like a new calling. Mm-hmm. Right. And and it feels like it, honestly. It it almost was like the path was lit for me to get here. Um, I met a lot of people when I started um we're uh going to Sac State I actually um met a whole new group of veterans so I I, upon going to Sac State one of the first things I did was see if there was any sort of veteran club or group or anything of the sort and there wasn't and 
I don't know, I guess it's just in my nature to be like, well, why not? And so then I pretty much re uh instated there there used to be a sigma omega delta a co-ed veteran fraternity it was founded in 2014 by a, vet, a marine veteran however i guess because of covid or or prior to covid it became um nobody nobody took ownership of it so it kind of just fell apart and then when everything went on zoom there was, it just kind of got lost. And so, um, I brought it back to life. Um, so I'm actually the president of it now. I'm president of Sigma Mega Delta, a fraternity. Most people are always like, don't you mean a sorority? And I'm like, nope, I mean a fraternity. Um, so it feels very much, it's just very similar to like what I get with the Marine Corps. Um, it's always like who in your family served in the military? Oh, me. Oh, wow. Really? So it's just like, very funny um so yeah so with creating sigma omega delta um i have gathered there actually now i think i have about like 80 veterans that are in this discord group chat congratulations Um, that's awesome yeah yeah so it's 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 growing i think last time we talked i said it was at 40 so it's definitely growing and growing much quickly than i anticipated um but it's a really good networking networking opportunity. Um, and the person who helped me create that group, um, his name is Earl. He is actually a uh, vocational rehabilitation counselor. So he um, works with the VA currently. And that's kind of how I figured out like, wow, I didn't even know that this was a job that I like. It kind of fit everything that I would want in a dream job. And it it just, I didn't even know that it, it existed. And so, um, he's kind of helped me a lot as far as figuring out my path, um, to get there. And, um, yeah, it's just been, it's been great having, um, these people that I can fall back onto, uh, and, you know, vice versa. They know that they can do the same to me. And I've already helped out like a countless amount of veterans. And it just feels nice to kind of be back in like the I almost feel like, you know, a sergeant, you know, again, it's kind of weird. Like it's just, it gives me that feeling of, um, just, just having a group of people to, to like support and, and guide and, and lead together as a group. Um, so it's, it's been great. Um, I, I really am grateful for the community that, um, Sac State has and it's, it's really growing because like I said it kind of we kind of got lost in the sauce a little bit um the veteran community is kind of reestablishing itself at Sac State so it's good um to have this group so, so that's awesome it sounds like in in a way it's almost a a support group to fall back on if you're just got out of the military doing the education track and maybe coping with the the loneliness or the lack of structure that we've become accustomed to that you mentioned previously. Yep. That's actually pretty much our mission statement. Um, so it's, it's really to, um, help, help organize like fellowship activities for veterans and provide assistance to students that are transitioning from the military service to the education, to the educational experience. And then, um, 
not only that, but also uh, create awareness of the veteran community on campus to a lot of, um, you know, to our civilian part, like now that um, it, and I had never really thought about it until, until I talked to one of the former presidents of Sigma Omega Delta um, on how important it is for veterans to, to communicate and to engage in conversations with um, civilians. And it's kind of like weird to even, even like group us as like veterans or civilians, but it really is like a separate distinction. Um, But really, um, and, and Sigma Omega Delta, we accept civilian, like you don't have to be a veteran in order to join the fraternity. And that reasoning is, is that if a, if somebody who's never served in the military wants to join to kind of understand and um, see what it's like and see what a veteran goes through and see kind of like that kind of just breaks the stereotype of what a civilian might think that a veteran is. Because a lot of, if you ask a lot of the students, especially now, like with this political climate that we're in and, and you know, it's just a very interesting time to be a veteran. Um, so on campus, if you were to ask a normal student, like what they think of a veteran or of some of the military, they're, they're just going to say, you know, like, oh, that's somebody who goes to war and like shoots every shoots guns every day and, and X, Y, and Z. But in reality, it's like, no, I just sweep, uh, I sweep outside for eight hours a day and, and I mop in the rain, you know? So it's like getting them to, <laughs> to understand like that aspect of us and, and breaking the stereotype that they have of us and, and allowing them to see another side of, of the community um, is really important. And then um, we also like offer a lot of support to veterans who are having uh, difficulty, like coping with um, PT, PTSD or like, you know, some traumatic military experiences that they had because um there's a lot of veterans that are in our discord chat that they're very open with um a lot of the struggles that they have which is great because it allows others to kind of uh, relate to them and and allows like i said allows them to have someone to talk to so it's kind of like shared experiences uh that we're kind of just bonding over. So it's amazing. I really love, I'm very passionate about uh, building community because I feel like that is essential in transition. If, if, if there's not a sense of community in your life and in, in the transition process, it's going to be a very rough, rocky ride. And that was what it was like for me the first year. Um, and so now the second year, I'm really um, trying to help those veterans because there's some veterans in the group right now that recently got out like three months ago. And then there's other veterans that have been out for 10 years. And so it's it's really crazy to see like the difference and to still still be able to relate on on multiple different levels. So. Well, that's awesome. And it sounds like you're really busy holding down a full time job. <laughs> doing the doing the the, the school thing and then being a student leader on campus it kind of and and i think that's almost underselling it it's it's you've kind of developed this support group slash organization where you've got like it sounds like there are three 
three communities that you, you probably benefit. It's those that just got out of the military, maybe some veterans that are have been out for a while and don't have a support group and find themselves on campus. And then the the whole like not related to military, but interested in learning more community. And I'm sure you've mm-hmm. seen, seen mistakes that uh, veterans have made. I, and, and so if you, if you had an opportunity to give guidance to those that are listening, that are thinking about taking the education track, what are some of your lessons learned? Lessons learned. Um, so I would say first and foremost, to begin uh, the disability, filing for disability compensation as soon as possible, um, simply because There is Chapter 31, which is uh, VR&E, Vocational Rehabilitation and Employment, which is uh, you need to be rated with at least 10% disability to to use that. And it's a really great program, um, which it gives you all the benefits that the post-9-11 GI Bill gives you, but it also um, gives you tools that you need. for that success. Um, so for example, right now I'm using chapter 31. Um, and I, part of my disability rating is, is my sciatica nerve is messed up. And so not only do I get my tuition paid for, I get my monthly housing allowance. Um, I get my parking permit paid for, I get my books paid for. I also, um, because I have that sciatica nerve, they, uh, will pay for a standing desk or an orthopedic chair because, you know, as a student, I'm sitting at my desk all the time. And so in order to be successful, I have to make sure that I'm not in pain. So they'll provide tools to make my success uh, easier almost. And so it's really, it's, it's really great. So I, I want, (laughs) My brain is spinning right now. So you're telling me that a lot of that is funded through something other than the post 9-11 GI Bill. Yes, yes. It, um, so there are different chapter benefits. Uh, post 9-11 GI Bill is chapter 33. Um, and the VR&E is chapter 31. And then, of course, you know, you have your chapter 35, which is for dependents and then your chapter 1606, which is for reservists and um, X, Y, and Z. But but yes, chapter 31 is is different than chapter 33. And you can use both. So um, I used a couple months of my chapter 33, which is my post 9-11 GI Bill. Um, at, but then I transitioned to chapter 31. And I actually just recently learned that you can buy your months back um, so the months that I used of my GI bill, I can get them back. I, I can't really speak much to it right now because I don't, I'm still figuring the process out myself, but I've spoken to like four other veterans that have gone through the process. And so now they have their full 36 months of their GI bill back and they'll be able to use that once they use all of their chapter 31 benefits. And so they'll potentially get their master's paid for, um, doctors paid for if need be. So like I got my associates while I was active duty and, uh, it was paid for using tuitions assistance. So I didn't even use my GI bill. So I, I started 
off with um, 60 credits already. So I used my GI Bill for about, I believe, four months. Um, and then I transitioned to Chapter 31. So now Chapter 31, I'll be able to use for the rest of my bachelor's. Um, and then I'll have my full 36-month GI Bill. And, you know, a master's program is not necessarily 36 months. So I will still have plenty of educational benefits left. Um, so, yes, I highly recommend everybody to file their disability claim or start as soon as possible for that compensation in order to receive a rating and hopefully um, use that Chapter 31 benefit that that they have earned. Well, that's great information. I'm, I'm guessing that probably the Department of Veteran Affairs website might be a good resource to learn more about that. Do you know of any yes. other resources? Um, no, VA.gov is definitely the best resource. Uh, they have pretty much all the requirements needed and they even have like little calculators that tell you what benefit you're eligible for and um, X, Y, and Z. So I would definitely recommend going to VA.gov and checking out all their educational benefits under that education tab. Um, just if you could reflect a little bit, what were the things that you, skills that you developed while you were in the military that you think are strengths for, that are working for you now that, now that you're in this land of land in civilian land and first civ div? Yeah. Um, yes. So I, the, I feel like a lot of, a lot of veterans would say that the ability to deal with certain people um that has definitely i learned how to do that in the in the military and i it's definitely helped me um in the civilian sector as far as working with a difficult person or um navigating that relationship or how to how to resolve it um i also feel like the leadership skills that i developed in the marine corps have not only like helped but they've kind of catapulted where catapulted me to where I'm at now um as far as like you know being president of a fraternity um I'm also working I don't know if I mentioned um I'm working as an education benefits advisor in the veteran success center um and in there it's kind of almost like a little little mini shop almost is the way that we have it set up so it's all veterans working in there so we kind of all we there's a there's a hierarchy we definitely have you know um quote unquote sergeants and there's you know our quote unquote pfc that doesn't really know anything yet so um <laughs> i am definitely in that sergeant role um so it's it's weird almost to see how how things are different from the military but also are like very similar um as far as like the civilian workforce goes and i get it, it's different cuz i'm working with veterans but um the way that that we lead in that um office is very similar to the way that that i led my um shop so it's um and it's effective like we we get stuff done and i feel like there's a great sense of like respect between between all of us but um not any and we're still friendly so I, I think i really learned that in the marine corps is kind of how to like draw that line between um 
professionalism and and friendliness and like time and place. Um, time management is also. I, I still feel like I need to be perpetually 15 minutes early to literally everything, which is slightly <laughs> annoying, but um, it, 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 it helps. Um, I'd rather be early than late to everything, but I, I can't seem to break that one. Um, but yeah, it's just a lot of tiny stuff that like you wouldn't think or that I wouldn't think was influenced by the Marine Corps until somebody points it out like, um, for example, my planner or my notebook, the way that I write or the way, and, um, I still have my little, I ended up, uh, this last time I went to North Carolina, um, in November for the ball, uh, the Marine I went with, he ended up, I asked him if he could get me a log book, like one of the little mini log books. Cause like a green monster. I just love those things. I, I can't find a better quality notebook. So I, that's what I use now at work. and um the way that it's organized, people are always like, did, did you get that organized because of the military? And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I guess like I just, I just always, I don't know. It's just weird. Cause I've never, because I, I grew up in the military in a sense. I mean, I joined when I was 17 and I got out at 21. So it's, I feel like my young adulthood was shaped by the Marine Corps. So it's very hard for me to separate like what is what but i'm i'm very thankful for it um because i it's the marine corps really truly made me um everything that i am today so mm-hmm. do you have do you have any other last tips or considerations that or lessons learned like you'd like to pass on to our listeners that are uh getting ready for their own transition um i would just say to establish a really strong um support system for your transition and um just know that know that you're not alone there's a lot of resources out there um and the transition process can be can be strikingly lonely because you feel like nobody else in the world can relate but newsflash there's a lot of people that are transitioning in and out of the military every single day so um you're not alone and and there there's tons of resources and benefits that are available to and for you. So Hey sis, you got any ideas or any questions that you want to ask that I haven't covered? I mean, I just think it's it's pretty awesome because you definitely highlighted that there are struggles while you're in the military and struggles while you're out of it as well. You know, when you were talking about how you struggle to find your own voice, especially being in a female in a very male led area. And then, yeah. And then finding your way of, you know, taking that schedule that you, and that you had while in the military and now having to find a whole new schedule and a way of life outside of it. It's yet another struggle. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think it's interesting because, you know, you say that your decision making has become an improvement in your life. But I think it's because of those struggles that you recognized while in it and while out that really led to some really great decision making. Um, I think there's just one question that I really want to ask. Well, two, actually. Can you just explain to me what vocational rehabilitation counselor is and what what they do? And then... yeah. and then yeah no no and then you know actually answer that one first and then my last question i have for you 
Yeah, so the vocational rehabilitation counselor, that is that person that is um, going to be helping you navigate your Chapter 31 benefits. So they're the ones who get me the desk um, and the chair or, or that pay for my books. They're kind of like my fairy godmother. Um, so <laughs> they they do a lot of the behind the scenes work. And um, it's important to note, sorry, I forgot to mention, there's different tracks within um, VR&E, the chapter 31. It's not just um, for education. There's also um, employment tracks. So, um, they'll, it, 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 there's a lot of, um, sorry, I kind of just lost my train of, train of thought for a second. There's a lot of different tracks within chapter 31. Um, so va.gov again, like they speak so much better to it than I can, but it's not just for school. It's also for, um, vocation. So job related stuff. Um, and again, the counselor kind of helps you navigate, your skills and like what jobs would be good for you. And if there's any uh, internships you need to go to or X, Y, and Z. So it's not just for those that want to attend university. It's also those that, you know, want to be an electrician or want to go to trade or do, do something of the sort. So to answer your question of uh, that vocational rehabilitation counselor is really just um, a fairy godmother of your life success. Is the best way for me to describe it. That should be on a pin. I think we should have that <laughs> right? one for sure. Yeah. yeah, I am your fairy godmother um, of life success. Right, I love life success. <laughs> um, my last question that I I have is, you know, either if it's being deciding to join the military, being in the military, deciding to leave, or your time now outside of the military and being the quote civilian like me, mm -hmm. um, was there ever a time that you actually surprised yourself in whatever decision that you did make or a move that you made or maybe something that you decided not to do? Literally constantly. Every probably decision ever in my life. Joining the Marine Corps, like I said, was an overnight decision. I still to this day i am like oh my god i cannot i cannot believe i joined the marine corps that is insane to me and then you know i cannot believe i am in sex my whole life is a whole bunch of i cannot believe i continuously um feel like i surprise myself i don't know if that's because of the uh decision making or indecisiveness in my decision making um and i'm just like oh wow hey that turned out pretty good um, but I, I really constantly surprise myself and, and I, I keep life exciting for sure. Um, which is a, a great thing. But, uh, like I said, I, I don't feel like I could ever, like I could ever fail and not even saying that in like a, oh, I'm, I'm so, you know, I'm so successful. I'm going to be great at everything. But um, what I mean by that is, is I know that I have a really great support system. I know that I have, um, a lot of the tools and skills that the Marine Corps gave me that no, no matter what I do or where I go in life, uh, I'm set because of, because of where I've been and what the Marine Corps has provided me. So it's, it's almost like I'm blindly trusting myself because I know that I'm, good because the Marine Corps provided me with a lot of good things. That's not to say that the Marine Corps did not also 
is, is not also the reason I'm in therapy, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a give and take. So <laughs> it's a love hate relationship. <laughs> a lot of people are in therapy. So yeah. I'm in therapy. We all need therapy, but no, thank you. Everybody needs that. to go to therapy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, no, that's great. So you, uh, Jennifer, you have a, a wealth of knowledge. Is there a way for listeners to get in touch with you if they want to ask other questions that we failed to ask? Yeah, um, they can email me at Jennifer K. Gomez at csus.edu. Um, and I will reply as soon as possible. I'm always on there. So I will, I'm, I will take any questions. So nice. feel free to reach out to me. And if you want to go to Sac State, I'll tell you what, it sounds like the place for veterans. That's for sure. Yes, I'm making it the place for veterans that's, for sure. <laughs> that's right. 100%. Well, Jennifer, I, I, I can't thank you enough. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your very busy schedule to uh, to, to share this great information uh, with us, with the listeners, with those that are still wearing their uniform, getting ready to take potentially take the education track. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be in touch, you know, look forward to seeing more great things come out of Sac State. Yeah, thank you so much, Chris. Thank you to the both of you for having me and listening to me. All right. No, hey, thank you. Hey, thanks again, Jennifer. All right. Have a good day, guys. And Jennifer has left our virtual studio. And <laughs> I can I'll tell you what, what a great I'm I'm yeah, I'm patting both of us on the back. What a great uh guest to have on as our first episode, but um Talk about a, like a lot of good lessons learned for those that are going on the education track. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's so interesting to hear the background of, you know, how she got into the military and what her skill sets were before going in and, you know, how it really evolved. Um, I mean, I just, when I start thinking about this, if I put my HR hat on and I start thinking about, you know, how can we utilize somebody with these skill sets in a general note, um, being a veteran and, and transitioning out, you have to be, you have to be like a natural Sherlock Holmes. You have to be a detective. You have to be that person to go out and ask the questions and, um, search for resources and groups. And that is, an amazing skill to have that not a lot of people have naturally. And I feel that most veterans that do want to transition and find something that's important to them outside of the military, I think that's an amazing skill set to have. And so just in general, that's something to really highlight. And going into this educational track, I think, you know, from her experience from taking care of her niece out of the military and learning if working with children is something that she wanted to do and then realizing, no, it's, it's really, she wants to help, but then she wants to help, um, other people that are almost in her same track and creating that group in, in college. And I think it's just, it's a great transition. So some of the lessons learned that I'm taking away from this is if you're pursuing the education track, um, first know what your VA benefits are. And if you think that you're entitled to medical disability, to start applying for that right away, because it also opens the door for other benefits aside from the post 9-11 GI Bill. 
So certainly, um, and maybe TRS or any of the branches of the different branches of service, their transition readiness courses, maybe they already address that. You know, hopefully we'll have somebody come on the podcast that actually manages that program um, that can talk more about it. But certainly, you know, understanding those benefits seems to be key. And then the other thing that I took away from it too is, is there's uh, a, a potential for loneliness um, and then a potential for having to adjust to not having a very regimented um, daily schedule uh, essentially handed to you, you know, mm. like this is what you're doing and you, you kind of have to figure it out. And so uh, I think her takeaway and her recommendation is develop a support network Sound seems to me like a great idea and probably key for just about anybody, regardless of whether you do the entrepreneur track, the education track, or even trying to do a corporate track. Yeah, no, I, I, those are some really good key moments. Um, you know, when she was talking about how she keeps herself organized, um, I, I don't know what it is in the military that you do that you have to keep yourself as an individual organized, considering that your schedule's now correct me if I'm wrong. Is your schedule really laid out for you by someone else while in the military? It's not really up to you. Uh, yeah, it depends on where you're at, but for the most part, you know, you're getting up, you're going to do unit training or PT at zero six or even earlier than that. Mm-hmm. Then you're changing over hygiene time, get into the office zero seven thirty. You know, first meeting within the platoon or the company or the battalion or the squadron is going to go at zero nine, mm. you know, and then every, you know, even down to the time, the narrow windows when you're going to the chow hall. So that, that schedule is very regimented. It's very consistent and it's pretty much handed to you. Like this is what's mm. doing or it, and I don't know, I mean, it, I've been in long enough to the point where I don't even think about it, but it's. I think it it's the structure that you kind of get really used to. And I think when you remove that structure, there's an adjustment that has to be made. So uh, I'm taking mental notes for myself. <laughs> yeah, I, I know that people to this day just still struggle about their own calendar system and, and keeping track of their own schedule. Uh, I mean, it, at my work, all of our calendars are very visible. So you can look up any colleague and see what they're up to and what's based on their calendar. And you have to put in travel time to the office if you're going into the office in this hybrid world of working, which is another new beast of, you know, people working um, virtually or if they're working physically in the office. So you have to put that in and you have to put in a do not disturb time so that you can work heads down and get some things done and not be in back to back meetings. So it's a constant struggle for people to learn, even, you know, with whatever experience they had before, it's just different now. Um, so I, it, I can understand how that can be pretty difficult for somebody to try to now be in charge of their own schedule. Although it sounds liberating, it's very difficult. Um, the other thing when you mentioned benefits, you know, when you start talking to employers and you're starting to figure out where you want to work and what role you ultimately want to do, um, it's a really big question, you know, when you're getting towards the end of your interview process. And you can even ask in the beginning if you'd like, but I would say wait until the end and start talking about the benefits and what these companies offer because there are some companies like my own that offer really great benefits for like buying a desk for you that's, you know, ergonomic and chairs 
that are good supportive chairs for you that maybe are not available in the office. They're willing to put in the money to buy those things for you. Um, and then what other, you know, certifications that you want and continued learning, what benefits do they offer for their employees? So these are all questions that people need to start asking because they are available. It's just, you need to sometimes ask the questions if they don't bring it up. Oh, that's a great point. I, and I certainly, I wouldn't have thought of that, but yeah, no, all good information. So I think that pretty much ends our episode. Um, what I'd like to, one thing I, I want to say is, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to uh, listen and to, and really by listening, you're supporting our podcast, the new mission career transition podcast, um, because we appreciate it. And we certainly want your feedback as well. Um, this is our first episode. And so um, there's always room for improvement. Maybe there were questions that you thought we should have asked. Uh, maybe you want some more information and we're going to try and pr- uh, put contact information into the, uh, the notes for the episode. But if you want to reach out to reach out to myself or to my sister, Alexandra, and give us some feedback, you know, we'll definitely take it. You can find us on Instagram at new mission CT new mission CT, no, um, no other punctuation other than that at sign, or you can contact us on email and, uh, we're at new mission CT at gmail.com. Again, we'll, we'll put this in the episode notes, but we certainly want to hear back from you. And again, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the podcast and hopefully you got something out of it. Uh, because if you're, if you're active duty, uh, like me, at some point in time, you're going to take the, the uniform off and we're going to have to take that big dive into the unknown. And, and now it's less, it's less unknown, or maybe I should say it's more known. Um, just hearing this story, hearing Jennifer and, and, and what she had to say. So until next time, hope you have a great day. And again, thanks for listening.